Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF.
What's up, Belly Up Fantasy fans? Uh, this is the Belly Up Fantasy Live football show. Um, of course, I am your host, Adam LaRue, joined by Chris Dauhauer. Um, We are back for our, um, I guess, a twice a month show at the moment, every two weeks. Um, super excited to be back. There's been a lot of news um, over the last two weeks um, since... Uh, our, our last episode, our, our first episode of this season, of this off season, I guess. Um, super exciting stuff. Um, yeah, Chris, how's it going? Pretty good. Yeah, you're, you're hitting you know, right in the head. I mean, you got all kinds of moves happening. Lots of receivers moving around, quarterbacks moving around. It's been a fun off season so far, and I think it's going to get more exciting as the draft approaches. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, this is definitely. Uh, to your point, the time of year where things are going to start heating up on the draft side of things. Um, and that really segues us really well um, into one of these more recent pieces of news. Um, the Eagles and Saints trade um, where the Eagles uh, get a pick in next year's draft. Uh, most are expecting that to be kind of their, you know, opt out their ammo that they're saving for next year in case they want to move on from Hertz after this year, he gets the chance to prove himself this year. Uh, Chris, what do you make of that move? Yeah, a questionable quarterback class at best. Um, we're going to kind of talk about that a little bit, but I think when you look at you know, the Eagles' options with three number one picks, kind of punting for the future is probably the smart move to make. A couple of years ago, it was with the Giants and Dave Edelman kind of make that similar move when they moved their pick to Chicago, kind of paid off for them. Um, so I think having those number ones possibly going next year, as you're, to your point, you have a better quarterback class possible to choose from. Maybe another quarterback's disgruntled at some point next year. Um, so the Eagles kind of have a chance to kind of reload and maybe they get lucky. Maybe the Saints are probably having a terrible year and when Sean Payton is leaving, that team had really struggled last year at some points. So maybe the Eagles are trying to also see, hey, maybe we get you know lucky. Yeah, um, absolutely. I, I think you hit it well. I think this was a very good move for the Eagles, for the Saints. I mean, we'll see. Um, it's going to be a really interesting to see what they do. Uh, what's your gauge on their side of things here? All right. Um, it looks like we are losing Chris uh, for a second here. Um, <laughs> that was a leading question anyways. Uh, I guess my assumption is probably that they are interested in a quarterback in this class and they may have fallen in love with one of them, whether that's uh, Willis or if they think Pickett will fall that far, although they'll probably be mistaken if that is the case. Um, yeah, so I, I think they probably want a quarterback and want to pair him um, with either another weapon or an offensive lineman um, with that next pick because they have, uh, you know, two very close to each other. I want to say it's like 17 and 19 or somewhere in that area. Um, We're going to, you know, there's a couple pieces of news. I'm going to hold off on some of these uh, until Chris returns. Um, But there are a couple pieces of news that um, I'm just going to run through in case you missed them and are listening in. Um, Rob Gronkowski uh, has remained non-committal um, to playing football in general um, this next season. Um, I, I find that to be kind of BS. I, I fully expect him to be back with the Buccaneers. Um, Marlon Mack, former Colts um, thousand-yard running back, uh, has moved on to the Texans, where he'll more than likely compete for the starting job with Rex Burkhead. Uh, unless there is uh, movement um, from the team. Uh, I I wouldn't expect a ton out of either player in that backfield, just given the mess that Houston is. But I do believe Mac is probably an upgrade to 
the position. Um, former Alabama receiver, I guess, kind of currently still Alabama receiver, Jamison Williams, uh, says he's ahead of schedule coming back from his injury. Um, uh, it'll be interesting to see how that'll impact his draft stock um, as he was pretty electric this season when he was on the field injured towards the end of the season. Um, of course, Coach Harbaugh of the Ravens, he got a new contract. He will be returning um, for quite a while. I believe it was a four-year deal, if I remember correctly. Um, so we will not be moving on from that era for a good little bit longer. Um, yeah, Coach Harbaugh is one of the longest-tenured coaches in the league. It'll be interesting to see how that stability at the head coaching spot kind of uh, impacts, um, you know, contract talks with Lamar Jackson and some of the other veteran players uh, on the Baltimore Ravens. Um, another interesting aside that I, I mean, I think is something that we saw coming uh, at least to an extent, uh, but the saints have said that Taysom Hill will be focusing on the tight end position um, rather than, you know, training to be a quarterback and just kind of filling in where necessary he, his focus will be on the tight end position. Um, while tight end specifically is maybe not what I would have expected, I would not. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. I would have been surprised um, if he was a QB on the depth chart come the beginning of this season, just given um, what his role has been um, and having had lost the starting job last season, one, um, to Jameis, and two, for si uh, Simeon to have held on uh, to it as long as he did when Jameis went down. Um Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. 
Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. And then there were a couple pieces of news that occurred pretty close to our last episode, but they were after. Um, But most outlets and even uh, many other belly up writers and podcasters have covered this in more depth. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things. Customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Um, since uh, we were last on and Chris is back, uh, welcome, welcome. I was about to get into the Chiefs signing um, MVS. So th- two teams uh, this offseason who had traded their star number one receivers uh, in the Green Bay Packers and the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, the number two for the Packers, MVS, moves on and goes to the Chiefs, um, where he'll be joining um, our man Juju Smith-Schuster um, to form a terrifying wide receiver duo for the Chiefs. Uh, Chris, uh, there were a couple things in there I wanted to get your take on. Um, first and foremost, do you think, uh, this is going back a little bit while you were gone, but do you think Rob Gronkowski plays uh, in 2022? Do you see him coming back? I think that he does ultimately. I think it's going to be a matter of Gronk doing Gronk. Um, you know, in past off seasons, he likes to kind of do his own thing, whether it was wrestling in the past or, you know, different things that when he's not contractually obligated to be representing the NFL or a team, he can kind of get away with more so than he can if he is signed to a contract. So mm-hmm. I think this is kind of a case of Gronk being Gronk. And I also think it's a kind of a leverage thing. I think as long as there's an opportunity for him to sign somewhere else, it kind of guarantees Tampa Bay kind of costs up money for him if they want him. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it's a kind of a you know a win situation for Gronk where I think he's going to have wait and see. I think Brady kind of was thinking of something similar to take the offseason off, kind of relax and see how you kind of feel coming back to the next year. Um, I also think Gronk might take his time coming back next year as possible. I wouldn't be surprised if he misses a couple of games early on. I think he's at the point in his career where he realizes the playoffs is all he really cares about. So if he wants to be healthy, he might just kind of come back and kind of, you know, in, you see it's in the NBA a little bit with some of the older guys where they kind of come back for the last stretch of the games, or stretches for the, you know, the playoff stretch. Um, maybe Gronk is kind of looking at something similar. Yeah, uh, that's an interesting point. Uh, to me, I was thinking, I mean, we we heard about it this offseason, that last offseason he recorded all the sprinting videos uh, and then just would turn them in on different days and he would change his clothes and all and the whole the whole nine. Um, I, you know, I'm curious if he's just like, hey, like I don't want to be involved in any of the offseason workouts. Like, oh, we'll, you know, I, I've put enough stress on my body to this point. Um, uh, we'll we'll get there when things start to matter. Um, I, I mean, he's a workout warrior. The entire Gronkowski household are every all of them are. Um, so, you know, I, I, I assume he's working out. I just don't know if he's 
you know, maybe doing the sprints and some of the super specific things that uh, the team might want him to be doing. Let me ask you a quick question. Adam. Where's the NFL draft this year at? Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm sure he'll be uh, in attendance there for sure. <laughs> so having something where you don't have to worry about, you know, like Calvin Ridley situation where you gamble or you're not doing something that you can get yourself in trouble for, I think Gronkowski is kind of covering his bases to make sure he can party on and do his thing. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I'm sure he will very much so enjoy his off season. Um, yeah, so let's get back to some of the things I was kind of holding off on for you, um, which include Devontae Parker to the Patriots um, earlier this week or over the weekend, uh, maybe the end of last week. The days all kind of blend together at this point, but nonetheless – um Devonte Parker was traded from the Dolphins to the Patriots within the division um it was what uh Parker in a fifth for a third so the, the value essentially evens out to what like a late fourth or an early fifth somewhere in that ballpark um what, what are your thoughts on this trade it's an awfully interesting move um to see a player like that traded within the division well, the division thing is really the curious part. Uh, New England, though, has a kind of a history, especially Belichick, where if a player likes them up, he seems to try to get the opportunity if he can add them. He usually tries to. Uh, Devontae Parker's owned the Patriots over the last couple of years, in a sense. Even when Stephon Gilmore would kind of own his, his, his A game, Devontae Parker had some of his biggest games versus the Patriots two years ago. So I think this is a, a major upgrade in receiving core for the Patriots. Uh, it's kind of an edible move on the Miami side with the, you know Tyreek Hill signing, with the Wilson signing. Um, you know, Waddle's already there. They brought Gusecki back. I think it was kind of inevitable. Devontae Parker and his contract was kind of, you know, moved on. There's different teams are interested. Um, I think this is a little bit of a great move by the Patriots. You're getting a fifth rounder back. Um, Patriots kind of draft guys usually valued in the fifth round, in the third round, as it is. Usually they have, like, you know, their guys that they love. Um, and they draft too early sometimes on them. So maybe it's really just a wash in a lot of ways. And then having Matt Jones actually have a weapon. Um, I think Devontae Parker is going to be very, it's going to be very underestimated what he can still do. I know that he, you know, some health concerns the last couple of years, but I think when he's healthy and he's on his A game, and he's going to be probably the best receiver on that team unless they add somebody significant in this draft. Um, I think he's going to have a high opportunity to have a, a really good, nice year because I think he's the red zone guy. He's a guy who can kind of be do different things. I think Matt Jones, Matt Jones is going to trust him, and you kind of saw, you know, Matt Jones likes bigger receivers. He used some of the guys in Alabama will throw a jump ball up there. He's an accurate guy, but he's not afraid to kind of push the ball down the field if need be. Yeah, I think this is absolutely a much better fit for Devontae Parker. To your point, Mac Jones is going to be a little bit more willing to throw the ball down the field and, um, you know, give his receivers a chance to get it. And I, I'm a tool believer. I, I think he's a good quarterback, but that that that, that just wasn't his game. Um, he is going to benefit massively from them getting Tyree Kill, from them having Jalen Waddle, those guys that can win at the line of the scrimmage, uh, get open, and let Tua make smart decisions before the snap. Um, that's, I think, his game, um, you know, where he can make decisions based on what the defense is giving him, let his receivers, uh, you know, get a couple yards, and then let them make a play afterwards. Uh, Devontae Parker and Tua never to me seemed like a match made in heaven. And, you know, I think it could be in the best interest of all parties for this move to have occurred, even though it is a bit strange to see it happen within the division. Well, I think that's the key. I think, like I said, I think Parker was too quiet of a receiver room in a sense for him to be a receiver for making $8 million. Um, but putting him in a division, you better nail that number three pick in my, or in a third round pick, in my opinion, or you just give the Patriots something to kind of give you a 
a, you know, a hard time in the playoffs next year or a hard time for that playoff spot next year, I just say. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one more piece of news. Actually, before we get to that, there was one that I, I ran through while you were gone. Uh, another that I'd like to get your quick thought on. Um, so Alabama wide receiver Jameis Williams, uh, he said he's ahead of schedule on his recovery from his injury that occurred later in the season last year um, when he was having a very good season. Um, I, I'm kind of curious what you think his draft stock is going to be. I think had we seen him be healthy, we would have seen probably an early day two kind of guy out of him. Uh, so to me, it's going to be very interesting. Is he maybe a late day two, early day three? W- what do you think? Uh, well, I mean, it was a pretty severe injury. It was a super injury, but I mean, also he before the injury, it wasn't a day two. He was day one guy. He was a guy to be debated as even top receivers on the board. Yeah. Um, so I think that when you look at this opportunity to get him, you saw Willis McGahey, you know, back in the day, in my, my day in a sense, um, kind of had a similar thing where he had blues knee out in the college game championship, came back the following year, kind of redshirted that first year, got drafted in the second round and wound up being great for Buffalo. Um, I think this is an opportunity for whatever team kind of takes him, especially those later teams and the um, you know, that are playoff contenders in a sense to kind of take a shot on a guy like this. I love him like in Arizona, for example, or a, um, you know, a team like Green Bay that you talked about, teams that where they can kind of maybe afford to be a little bit patient and necessarily push for having him immediate impact, they might go after him, I think, in the second round, possibly even the late first round now because you have that fifth-year option that you kind of have a guy if you get him in the first round. And the receivers, how they're getting paid right now, you probably want to have that option. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he, he's going to be interesting uh, to follow wherever he goes. Absolutely. The last big piece of news uh, is one that became official earlier in the week, but I, we all kind of knew it was happening as of last week. Um, Bobby Wagner to the Rams um, is a done deal on paper, um, what have you. Um, what does that mean for opposing offenses specifically in the NFC West where you've got a Kyler Murray who's all already someone who kind of, you know, doesn't do the best going through the middle of the field where you've got a Trey Lance who is someone who's going to, you know, be interacting with linebackers quite a bit. If we're being honest, if he is the starting quarterback week one, um, which is a completely different conversation, but if he is, uh, he'll be interacting with linebackers because he'll be running the ball quite a bit. And he's a guy whose biggest trait as a runner um, to me, was that he is also a bit powerful. Um, and then, obviously, Drew Locke, who was just Drew Locke. I mean, we don't have to go too far there. But nonetheless, I, I, to me, that's a very interesting move, especially when you've got Jalen Ramsey, who obviously can play all over the place, but is someone who specifically succeeds in the slot quite a bit. The Rams could be locking up in the middle of the field pretty dang well um, this upcoming season. Well, yeah, I think that one of the things I definitely think it's going to help them is stopping the run. The Rams, I think, were still a little bit soft in interior. Um, and Don Donald's, you know, and Donald's a tremendous player. He's not a run stopper. Mm-hmm. And I think that they have different guys, especially the linebackers, that they were smaller guys and faster guys, which kind of fits the system in a lot of senses. But when you play those teams, you know, especially the like 49ers team, what kind of jumps out to me. Bobby Wagner's going to be a fantastic fit against the 49ers. Where I do have concerns about him adding them, though, though is – I think he's kind of lost a step or two in pass coverage. And I think if you have a back out of the backfield that can kind of attack him, I think that's where you see guys kind of, you know, take advantage of that in a sense. When you talk about Jalen Ramsey kind of paying attention to other things, if you're going to have a back that can kind of get one-on-one coverage to Bobby Wagner, 
you're, I think you might see teams try to take advantage of that because I don't really think he has quite the lateral movement. He might quickly become a two-down linebacker, in my opinion. That'll be interesting to watch and see how things unfold there, um, you know, what kind of matchups are occurring there. Because to, to your point, I mean, he could be someone that you're targeting um, PPR matchups with. Um, so, yeah, we'll have to keep an eye on his early performance there for sure. Uh, I want to move things along. We've, we've stayed on news for a little bit here. But I want to move on to the main focus of today's episode. So we will be going through every single team in the NFL, uh, if time allows us to do so, uh, and kind of going through um, what need would be most impactful um, for fantasy football or what is their biggest need, um, at least on the offensive side of the ball. Um, and, you know, how can we tie that back into fantasy? So we're going to talk a lot of draft and kind of, you know, bring it back into the fantasy world um, once we've talked about that. So uh, let's just get straight into it. Uh, Chris, do you have a division in mind that you want to start with or even a team? Yeah, so let's start off and we'll start off with the AFC teams. We'll start off the AFC East. We kind of hit a couple of those teams in the news. Um, and I'll start off with that doing the Patriots team. I think it's, it's it's imperative for the Patriots to have more production out of the quarterback position this year going moving forward. They tried to kind of hide Matt Jones to a degree last year. Um, he was successful. The team was a playoff contender. I think it's kind of to unleash him in a sense. I don't think Nesson Aguilar and, and Bourne were going to be the answers. And I love the Devontae Parker signing, but I still like to see them add another weapon for him, a guy who's a field stretcher, um, whether that's in the first round early on their first pick or maybe in those second or third rounds. So a guy who I'd love to see them kind of get their hands on would be like a Jameson Williams or um, a guy like a um, Chris Olive from Ohio State. I don't think they're going to be high enough to still get Wilson, I think, about the board when they're kind of coming around. But I think they need a guy who can kind of attack down that field and give Matt Jones an easy kind of you know, opportunity to read some of that stuff underneath and make the running running game more successful. Yeah, absolutely. And what's going to be really nice um, for them is that I think a lot of those guys who are going to be more of the field stretchers are going to be the guys, you know, again, outside of Garrett Wilson, who you already mentioned, but those are the guys who I think are going to be available a little bit later on. Um, not at the end of the draft, but I mean, as far as day two, um, they, they should have plenty of options in that category um, to go after. Uh, as far as what I thought, that was the exact same position that I had uh, wrote uh, that I had wrote down for the Patriots was get a wide receiver. 100% agreed. I don't want to see Kendrick Bourne. <laughs> I don't want to see Nelson Aguilar. I like their other two options. Um, but a- another guy um, that they can go have and have actually a pretty good receiving group um, if they're able to uh, replace whichever of, of the two that I just mentioned um, is the odd man out between Aguilar um, and Bourne. Um, yeah, so yeah. I, think last, I think a lot of guys kind of fall, fall into their roles correctly as well. Um, I think Devontae Parker pairing off a guy a speedster, you know, the tight ends in the sense will be able to have kind of underneath and middle, middle field more for them. So I think it helps everybody kind of, they have that field stretcher. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's move on to, what do you want to hit? The Jets? You know, let's, let's look at the bottom of that division, probably, um, unfortunately. <laughs> you know, we loved the Jets moves last year, and I'm still not down on the Jets moves, but I'm down on the coaching hires and the coaching mm-hmm. usage of these players. Um, but going forward, I think it's imperative that the Jets make some, you know, their running back be successful and their Mike Seckles be successful because then the running game is going to be kind of key for his success. So I would draft, if I'm them, and Evan Neal still on the board with that number three pick, 
I am all over having Becton and Neal. That will make my fantasy god thing. I will be so happy because wide offensive linemen matter. We talked about this on the last show because they can block and they can open up holes. Imagine having two or three, two three hundred fifty pound guys who can you know run block with a, a Michael Carter, a Wilson, a Elijah Moore. The weapons they kind of have in place. I think the Jets could be the team that kind of out physicals that division in a sense. And you kind of you go against a Von Miller and you go against these other teams that have pass rushers. Well, it's kind of hard for those guys to get around those big guys, but it's also hard for them to sit there and get take a pounding from those big guys in a running game as well. So I think to me, if I want to see the you know them take the next step, then adding a, a big time offensive lineman would be a huge addition for this team. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. Um, and this is one of the teams, and this happened a few times for me where I, I didn't fully narrow it down. I had two positions. Uh, right tackle was one of them, so I'm in, in agreement there. Um, and, and not necessarily has to be right tackle, obviously. And Evan Neal, you would consider, you know, who, who ends up on the right side. The, the answer, uh, given Mackay Becton's skill set, very well may, may be that he is the one that gets pushed over. But regardless of that, uh, tackle was one of my thoughts. Um, as well as uh, getting someone in the interior, obviously, Vera Tucker, um, a very good player uh, in his own right. But really, those other two spots are really not as bad as we maybe make it out to be, but um, could certainly use an upgrade. Um, the other, ahead, sorry. I was going to say the other position of note for me was getting um, another more traditional outside receiver. And ideally, I wouldn't say that because ideally we would hopefully see Denzel Mims, who I, I, you know, I haven't seen play too bad on the field when he makes it onto the field. But the reality of the matter is, is that the Jets aren't going to do that. We're no, we know that they are not going to do that. We know that they don't trust Denzel Mims to be out on the field. And the reality is, is that I think Elijah Moore is too too good um, to be kind of pushed into a, a Z type role exclusively because we're making Braxton Berrios play exclusively in the slot. Uh, ideally, someone who can be a true Z or even kind of split time with Elijah Moore where sometimes they're in the slot, sometimes they're on the outside, and both of those two can kind of move between the two. Uh, I think that would be pretty big. And again, I think Denzel Mims could fit into that kind of category if they used him that way. However, I just don't find that's going to be the case. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with that. Um, I think Corey Davis you know, had a good start to the season last year, kind of definitely tailed off after the injuries um, is in the last year of his deal. So they could upgrade a receiver. My concern with the Jets, though, is it's a waste of talent in a sense or a waste of pick, I wonder because they have a hard time using you know, multiple receivers as it was, unless guys were hurt. Um, and I, I know it's not, it's in theory, sounds good to have multiple weapons. Sounds wonderful. But when you spend your draft capital on guys, you're not going to use, um, I think it can kind of be a waste for, for, so for me, I think they already wasted some of the receivers that they have on the team and bringing Brexit Barrios is another kind of concern of mine as well, where Elijah Moore was perfectly fit to be the slot receiver and would excel at that position and been something that, you know, I think Zach Wilson would love to having a security blanket, a guy who'd be like an Antonio Brown or a Stephon Diggs. We've kind of seen those guys who move inside outside as you talked about, but making him play exclusively outside, you didn't pay Braxton Berrios, you know, chump change. You paid him to be a starter pretty much out there. And that's where I'm kind of concerned. They had another weapon and they have Corey Davis still who actually, they want to cannibalize each other fantasy wise. It doesn't work for anybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I can't disagree there. Uh, let's move on unless you have anything on the Jets, but otherwise let's move on to the Dolphins. 
Yeah, the, the, the just point I was going to say is off the line, I'd like to see was Todd Lindbaum, the center. I think he'd also be a fantastic fit. I think he fits the system tremendously. And to your point, the interior line is super important in the NFL. Well, NFL people don't need value it for some reason. And having a top-tier center goes all the you know all the world for you. Connor McGovern isn't the answer, in my opinion. Yeah, Dolphins no, I agree. Are- and it's such an interesting uh, dichotomy there, I guess, um, that every time we're talking about these great three techs, these outstanding uh, interior pass rushers, we talk about how uh, effective, how impactful it is, pressure up the middle, what that can do to a quarterback, and that's real. And we talk about it every single time we're talking about these defensive linemen. We never talk about it when it comes to the offensive side of the ball. We're always about the tackles. Um, And I get it. That is, in a lot of cases, the more important part of the offensive line. But sometimes the interior, especially the guards, but also the centers too, sometimes all of those kind of get pushed to the wayside. That just shouldn't be the case. Well, I don't want to go off too much of a tangent on this topic, but just a real quick point. I think that it's imperative in today's NFL it's changed. The tackles aren't what they used to be. Teams aren't coming, you know, with the, pass, the quick passing attacks that you have in the spread offenses in the NFL, teams are getting rid of the ball before that edge rusher can get there a lot of times. That's why you don't see guys having 25, you know, sacks off the edge. Um, you see the interior guys stepping up over the last few years getting paid more and more money because collapsing that you know, that pocket is how you get to Patrick Mahomes, how you beat the Tom Brady's, how you beat these elite quarterbacks, the Aaron Rodgers of the world. Having a tackle, they bought Patrick and helps them, but they've lived without having great tackles for most of their careers where they struggle and they get pressure up the middle. So I think it's the NFL kind of realizing and being behind a curve in the sense of what they're actually dealing with. Yeah, uh, I 100%. Um, now let me contradict everything that was just said. Uh, when we move on to the Dolphins, and it has to be, to me, right tackle. Uh, right tackle is far and away, to me, their biggest need. And the big piece of that is, is that, as we all know, uh, Tua is a dying breed and that he is a left-handed quarterback. Um, so it was great. It was such an outstanding move that they went and added a left tackle and that would have meant the world to, and it does mean the world to the Dolphins, And it would have, but it would have meant more if he was the blindside protector, which just isn't going to be the case um, in this situation. Now, to your point, yes, the Dolphins will be, and to my point earlier, the Dolphins are going to be a team that is throwing quick passes near the line of scrimmage most of the time. But if they get pigeonholed into that being the only thing that they're able to do, then it's going to be much easier for opposing defenses to stop it, as well as, of course, the impact that can have that can happen um, on the, um, you know, on the run game. So to me, getting a, a, a better tackle on the right side for Tua and, and really just for the entire offense, um, that to me is is their biggest need on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, I don't disagree at all. I mean, I think you can go either or. I'm okay with adding another tackle or adding a center. Um, I think both those positions can be upgraded, and I think that it's imperative that you pass protect for a two, but also get that running game kind of you know going as you talked about. They made some great moves, I think, in free agency. Um, they had Art at Armstead. They added some interior help as well. So I think that's going to be kind of, you know, advantageous for them. But we've also seen the Dolphins trying to put lots of resources towards the offensive line over the last couple of years, and it hasn't slowly paid off. So I'm with you. I think they should definitely double down, make sure it's locked and loaded. Um, and I think there's some guys on the board that maybe could fall to them, especially at right tackle, um, that could be, you know, guys that are definitely good options. i like to see them get a mauler possibly. I know we have a short passing attack, but I think that team could be a physical team and kind of balance that passing attack as well would be kind of interesting to see.
Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I don't think that they necessarily need the more prototypical guy um, at the position. Um, so some of these guys who are that fringe left tackle type, I think could actually work for them, um, you know, at the position. Um, moving down the division to the Buffalo Bills, um, I'm going to let you go first. I'll admit this was one of, say, the three teams that were the hardest for me to pick a position because they're actually in a really good spot, I think. They are. Um, I'm going to go kind of cheat a little bit. I'm going to give you two positions because I had a hard time narrowing it down for myself. I think they can continue to improve the offensive line. I'm still not sold on their upgrades. I think that's something that I still still see lacking as a team. I think that they kind of, you know, with Brian Dable moving on, I hope that they kind of get more physical. Ken Dorsey had a hell of an offensive line. He played for when he was in Miami. Um, they were big. They were huge. Brian McKinney was his left tackle. So he, they're used to having, you know, girth in front of you. I like to see them kind of have that, add that bigger player. Um, but I also wouldn't mind seeing another weapon for them to kind of add to their arsenal. Uh, Stephon Diggs is wonderful. Gabriel Davis is coming up, but the other receiver is kind of iffy. Emmanuel Sanders, they've kind of been trying different, you know, older guys have been throwing out there over the last couple of years. I think it wouldn't hurt them to have another weapon because you can never have too many weapons for Josh Allen to kind of throw to. Um, I don't really like the tight end talk that's coming out of, you know, there. I think Dallas Knox is just fine. I mean, this team needs to go any extra tight ends. But I think they could use another receiver, especially a bigger time, you know, a jump ball maybe guy, a bigger, taller guy you can utilize in the red zone. They have, like I said, that Stephon Diggs and Gabriel Davis, but they're not like guys that you kind of throw the ball up for. Dallas Knox was wonderful in that role last year. Maybe give Josh Allen another guy he kind of, you know, throw laser beams to in the back of the end zone. Yeah, um, I, I don't hate that. Uh, to me, though, I, I would say that Jamison Crowder is fine as a slot obviously not ideal but when you have the talent that josh allen does you have digs i do think gabriel davis is a pretty solid two um at least he's shown that he has the ability to be that um especially in that playoff game of course that we all saw um to me something that could be really impactful and i agree on the offensive line side of that uh, that was one of the two positions that i had uh, i also had two positions and offensive line was a big part of that um to me, I think they could get really interesting if they got someone a bit more dynamic out of the backfield. And this was actually one of, say, two to three teams where I was even all that concerned with running back um, because it's not something that I'm typically like, oh, yes, this is what's going to change this offense. But if they could get someone who, and I get that this is not in Josh Allen's nature, but if they could get someone who can be impactful in the receiving game, whether that's something that you have to go out of your way to scheme or, or whatever it is, but if it say a, a, a Brees Hall or um, a, a Kenneth Walker, um, you know, whatever it is, um, getting someone like that who can be explosive for you, uh, to me, that that would just be really valuable um, on a, an offense that, again, there's to me no glaring holes. There are definitely spots where you can upgrade pretty much three out of the five offensive line spots you can upgrade, obviously you can upgrade in this draft past Gabe Davis. You can upgrade past Jamison Crowder. Um, but it, it's just, to me, a, a piece of diminishing returns. And I guess the same can be said for running back, too, um, because they got some value, at least on the ground there, uh, when they were given any amount of volume. Yeah, on the field, I definitely agree with that. But I guess my thing, I was kind of looking at fantasy-wise, um, I'm a little concerned, you know, how the uses of running backs. So Devin Singletary finally was kind of number one back. Now, if they have another guy to draft and utilize that way, I'd be all about that. But I have a little concern with Singletary still there. Um, they still have, I forget the other guys, you know, they were utilizing, you know, kind of that, this more the smasher back. Um, and so they don't really have a glaring need that they're going to, unless they're going to commit way more to running the ball, which there is some talk of. 
and I won't think that would hurt them. But fantasy-wise, I'm looking for the, the guys that impact. I think the way Josh Allen can continue to have that ceiling is he can another weapon where he protect him better, and the running backs would actually be single targets to get those touches. You know, he was effective last year. If he had another lineman to kind of open up more holes, I think he'd be more effective. But I agree with you. On the, on the field-wise, um, I definitely would – I'm not a – huge Singletary fan in the sense that I think that he's going to be the guy you can get you to the next level. If they can get one of those guys you mentioned would be fantastic. Let's all right. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, let's move on to want to move on to the AFC North. I think that's a pretty interesting division. I mean, obviously we're going to hit them all, but um, <laughs> uh, let's go there and let's go ahead and start with, I think maybe even the most interesting team um to kind of play this for which is the Pittsburgh Steelers because they their offense is in such a weird spot obviously they've had Ben for so so long um but this is a quarterback class that's pretty weak um I have my thoughts uh but Chris what who do you think is a fit here for the Steelers okay so I know this is probably not not going with fantasy wise I think that the Pittsburgh has the weapons in place for a quarterback to be super successful. Now I kind of, you know, almost turned the lights off on MD's show the other week where I gave much Trubisky you know, positive praise in a sense fantasy wise because he can be productive, and especially with those weapons he has in place. But I would love to see Pittsburgh have a really good quarterback who could throw the ball over the field and attack all those levels with, with the Claypool, a Deontay Johnson, weapons with a Firmuth, weapons they have in place, they need a quarterback that can let it fly. So I would love to see my boy Carson Strong be drafted in Pittsburgh because I think he's a fantastic fit. You saw Joe Flacco a couple, you know, about a decade ago, be drafted by the Ravens, kind of helped that team lead the Super Bowl. I think Carson Strong has a similar kind of build, kind of similar guy, a strong arm quarterback, a guy who can get the ball to all his weapons. And I think that when you look at what the Pittsburgh Steelers are, I think they just quarterback away in a sense. I think Mr. Trubisky's the answer. I don't love a lot of other quarterbacks in this draft. A lot of people have kind of their preferences. Maybe they're one they want to argue over. I'll have that debate on our show. Um, but I also think that when it comes down to it, that's what kind of benefit them most for me, fantasy wise, because I want to see Chase Claypool take the next step. I want to see Deontay Johnson be a receiver one, you know, a guy that you can have in your lineup week in, week out. I want to see the, the running back be even better. Now, you also could say offensive line, which I'm sure you might have mentioned because that's also something to continue to address, but they've done a little bit better job with that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that was my thoughts exactly. Quarterback was my first and foremost, but they do need to work on the offensive line there were three quarterbacks to me that made sense for the Steelers Carson Strong was one of them uh he feels just feels like he fits that AFC North prototype you need to be a big arm quarterback uh to play in the AFC North although Joe Burrows maybe bucked that trend a little bit um but he I just to me still feels like an exception to that rule rather than um outright breaking it um, so yeah, for me, Carson Strong, or as you mentioned, I, I think Trubisky can in the short term be an option to play for them. So I think the Steelers are one of those teams uh, that I think don't, it makes a little bit of sense to get one of the more developmental guys in Malik Willis, in Desmond Ritter. Um, if you are going to go that route, they have a quarterback in place in the short term who can play now um, and, you know, keep your team kind of in the thick of things while the other guy develops. And I I think both Ritter and Willis, again, have that AFC North kind of, I guess, vibe, those traits that you need to succeed there. 
Um, but obviously they're both heavy into traits. Uh, Ritter has very inconsistent accuracy. Malik Willis uh, it will need to, you know, really relearn, relearn a lot of technique and a lot of what, um, you know, language and, um, you know, the playbook side of things. Although there have been reports that he, you know, was maybe a little bit better in those areas than indicated um, at the combine. But nonetheless, um, you know, he is going to need to improve vastly there to be an NFL starting quarterback. Um, but again, Trubisky, I think, can at least buy those guys time. And I think we're all well aware that he isn't the franchise guy. Um but again, I think he can start some games for you um, as needed over the next his contract with what two years? So I, so I think it's a year deal. He's basically okay. a one deal. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, he gives you some time. It is uh, <laughs> the moral of the story there? Yeah, um, I think that yeah, I think you know, my only concern with those two guys is fantasy wise. Like I said, I want to see Deontay Johnson, Claypool, and Vermouth all eat, and I want to see the running back be utilized at the backfield like he has been. I don't necessarily think those guys can ha- handle a heavy pass attack. They're not that's ever going to be their MOs per se. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily strongly um, disagree there. And it would certainly hurt, um, especially uh, Claypool and Fremuth. I think uh, Deontay is one of those guys that can kind of eat in any offense just because of, of how he plays. Um, but none, yeah, I, I agree it would suck for those weapons. Um, but on the flip side of that, Najee would eat uh, if you had one of those mobile quarterbacks just because I I always love the pairing of a mobile quarterback and one of those thicker running backs. I think it's done really, really well in the past, whether it's uh, like a Russ and Marshawn or or, or so many other examples. Um, So I think Najee would do really well for that. Um, And again, really anywhere it occurs, if you can get a mobile quarterback who is in a – position to succeed and i think whoever the steelers get at quarterback will be put into a position to succeed if you can get a mobile quarterback put into that kind of position then that in and of itself is very interesting for fantasy i totally agree um let's move on to maybe one of the least controversial teams um in in the north uh the cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, so I think Cincinnati, where I'd to see Joe Burrow kind of take that next step, would be continue to address the offensive line. I know they made some moves. I like some of the moves. But I think the offensive line was, you know, average at best last year, sub-average. I think the best way to keep your quarterback upright is, you know, and consistent is to have him have pass protection and be able to have holes for Joe Mixon to run through. Um, the receivings, receivers are plenty plenty weapons. Like tight end additions, they hated Hurts. was a nice signing, I thought, by them. So I think when it looks at how do you have Joe Burrow and the rest of the team kind of taking the steps, you know, fantasy-wise, I think you continue to address the offensive line. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. Uh, do you have a specific portion of the offensive line that you're kind of thinking of? For me personally, uh, it was I, that I interior. Think, I like to see the like, – I agree with the interior. I'm not a huge fan of the interior, but I am also feel like some of the guys on the, on the exterior could be moved inside and mm-hmm. because they're that great outside. Yeah. Um, so I think maybe if you kind of – depending, that's why I had a flexibility of what I say – I think yeah. it depends on having the best player, um, like a Green from Texas A&M, the great guy where he could play center, he could play guard, he played tackle this year. So having that guy, maybe a versatile guy who can kind of fill in where they have the best players out there, the best five in a sense, they can kind of put in front of Joe Burrow, I think is the way they should go. Yeah, I mean, no question, um, you know, whoever the best player is. It's just interesting to me since obviously um, <laughs> they played as far as they did. They'll be picking a little bit later. 
Um, in an ideal world, like, yeah, you probably would want to move a Jonah Williams inside. Um, but to do that, you would need more of a true left tackle, which where they're picking, I don't know how realistic it is for them to get that, which is kind of why I'm saying focus on the interior. Um, they did get two guards uh, this offseason, and they paid them okay money, um, I believe in the $5 million range for both of them, uh, maybe five to seven. Um, but nonetheless, I don't know if that's really what's going to solve the problem. I love the Loyal Collins move, and I love that they are addressing the offensive line. Um, but yeah, someone in the interior, um, and including some of the guys that you've mentioned in the interior for previous teams, uh, I, I think would be great fits uh, for Cincinnati. Well, that's kind of, yeah, and just to know, you nail on the head in a lot of ways, but I also think that's why I said Collins and Williams, either one of those guys I could think would be okay inside if you can mm -hmm. get a, a top-tier guy. So that's where I think they should have the opening, whoever's the best guy available for them on the board offensive line wise. All right. Uh, we're going to kind of flip-flop here. So the Steelers, I think, is one that's a little bit more on the controversial side. I think the Bengals are pretty cut and dry. Uh, we'll get back to the Browns. I think they're cut and dry. We'll save them for last. I think the Ravens are a really interesting one. Who do you – or what uh, position, rather, do you think uh, would be the most fantasy impactful for the Ravens to go get this offseason? Absolutely offensive line. Absolutely 100% offensive line. And I have two favorites, so it's really, really hard for me to say which one. I love Tyler Lindemann for that team as well. I, they had a, a center on that offense, but it was been moved on free agency-wise. It would just be tremendous. Um, and he can also play a little bit garden, right? I mean, in a lot of ways is kind of a skill set. But the other one I love the idea of is Daniel Pioli, um, my mammoth tackle, 390-pound um, guy. I think he's just kind of touched the surface of what he can be. You saw them do a great job of Orlando Brown Jr. of kind of developing him. I think Pioli is kind of very raw. But you're seeing that kind of paying off over, in, you know, the Eagles, where they took a guy from Australia, uh, Austria, Australia, a rugby, and kind of converted him to a, a top-tier tackle right now. Um, and so this guy's been around playing football about, you know, a couple of years now, but he's getting better and better. I think he's going to be an all-world left tackle eventually. I think you can easily play right tackle right now. So I look at him as a perfect fit for that Ravens team, and that team wants to be physical. Could you imagine having a, a guy, a 390-pound guy like that, kind of representing this team? You saw Nada and Adams back in the day kind of be their defensive faces, and that kind of girth they had inside. I can see that off and Williams now, too. You can see the kind of other side of the ball have that kind of similar guy. It's kind of that message when we're coming to play the Ravens, we're coming to expect in the face. Yeah, I agree, and that was kind of where my focus was, too. Um, however, since I did bring up more of the controversial side of things here, I'll, I'll go ahead and play that other side, and that it'd be really interesting, I think, if the Ravens were to get more of a chain mover at the wide receiver position. Um, I think they have two great guys at wide receiver in Hollywood Brown and Rashad Bateman. I think Rashad Bateman can play that X role to me very, very well. Uh, and I think that's eventually where he'll be. Obviously, last year was his rookie year, and, and uh, Hollywood is playing more as that, that stereotypical X. Um, Hollywood, I think, can be kind of like what we were talking about with Elijah earlier, where you, you play him at, you know, on that outside wide receiver too. Sometimes you play him from the slot, you let him go deep. Um, but someone who can kind of be that more consistent um, around of the chains type of guy for them. Um, because I, I think Bateman is capable of that. I just don't know if you necessarily want to limit him to that. And I think the same of Mark Andrews, he is capable of that role uh, very much so capable, but do you want to limit him to that? Um, of course it m could be argued that it's unnecessary given, you know, how their passing volume, 
Um, but given that Lamar was hurt at the end of last season, that is something that could figure to be increased uh, if they're, especially as they are working to bring him back long term. Um, of course, uh, as I uh, mentioned at the beginning of the show, Harbaugh is back long term, so it would figure that they would, um, you know, marry the two together uh, going forward. Yeah, I think I, I maybe I would do a bait and Wallace fan more so than maybe you, or I think those guys kind of have you know a chance to kind of continue to develop in that system. I'd like to see them get more opportunity to be on the field. Um, so I think the debate and Wall- Wallace are for me are okay where they have weapons wise. I think where Lamar definitely needs help and the offense definitely needs help was opening holes and pass protecting for Lamar. He was definitely getting hit way too much, probably why he got hurt. Um, so I think having that protection or establishing that running game again, because it struggled last year, it was opening the same holes it has in historically in the last couple of years. So I think they got to kind of get back to being bully ball for that Ravens team to be what it needs to be for fantasy wise and all those guys kind of ball that you talked about. My struggle with having a receiver is I think that Greg Roman struggles using too many weapons as it is as, as another guy and giving Marquise Brown where he's taking moved around. If you have a receiver, Marquise Brown will never be moved around and <laughs> won't be moved around. And those guys will kind of be pigeonholed in their roles. So that's why I said Wallace, they're very for me, are good enough for what they have in place to kind of help, you know, Lamar kind of continue to develop the passing game. Yeah. Again, uh, I hear you. Uh, offensive line was kind of my focus too. I, you know, I just hear the Ra- the Ravens receiver thing quite a bit. Um, so I think it's an interesting kind of argumentative side to kind of get into because um, you can kind of see where it comes from. But ultimately, uh, yeah, I mean, the AFC North, you, you love to have those big mauling guys on the interior of the offensive line um and really through the entire offensive line um also, let's i was gonna say real quick where i will say receiver i wouldn't mind seeing is a big time big receiver that you kind of talked about like a london a landon i should say um a guy who can go up and with the book or trailing burks um those kinds of guys who are physical big time receivers you know lamar doesn't really have that guy other than andrews to kind of depend on he could throw a jump ball up to or a guy can go get it in the red zone for him Giving him another guy like that would be you know, very interesting. Yeah, that would be interesting. Um, we'll get a lot more into the receiver talk, I would imagine, um, with the next team. And the Cleveland Browns, who um, they've done some work here so far, but I think they've got a lot more to go um, to put the proper weapons around Deshaun Watson. Obviously, um, I, I think that there are some holes on the offensive line. Um, there's no question there. But overall, it's a pretty solid one. Um, you know, you can always make your upgrades, but I think we've never seen Deshaun just fully surrounded with, um, you know, quality weapons, except for his brief time where he had DeAndre Hopkins and a healthy Will Fuller, um, emphasis on healthy because that didn't happen too, too often where you got to have both of them. And then of course, um, for him, the tight end position was never really filled. They'll have that here. Um, so to kind of give everything to your guy, um, to me, would be really interesting um, and doesn't necessarily need to be, um, you know, and, and I guess it won't be. Um, I was going to say it doesn't need to be their, their first round pick, but it won't be. Um, <laughs> that's Watson. But uh, but yeah, uh, getting a weapon for them um, could be really impactful here, I think. Yeah, I mean, I can't argue that. And I think that. See, what I look at what the teams have in place a lot of times and the coaching staff that's kind of in place and the things that they're looking to do. And I woke at Cleveland's draft the last couple of years, and they drafted Peoples-Jones, they drafted Schwartz, they drafted those fast guys. To me, what they want to do is they want to have a guy who clears out the underneath stuff, 
Amari Cooper kind of does the other things. They want to have multiple tight ends out there, and they want to use Kareem Hunt out of the backfield on third downs. So when you give them another weapon, I don't know if Stefanski is necessarily going to use it. Um, Deshaun Watson can. Now, the offense built around Deshaun Watson is more Houston-oriented, where he was kind of spreading the ball around. I can see that. But I also can see them kind of falling into the idea that Will Fuller was initially just a speed guy, kind of. So maybe Schwartz is that guy. Maybe People Jones is that guy. The tight ends kind of fill the underneath roles, and Mark Cooper's kind of my chess piece to move around. So I don't necessarily think the receivers are going to be something that helps them jump. What I do see is off the line. I agree with you. I think the bread and butter is that running game. Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt is the champ, you know, the, what drives that team. I know the quarterback position is a huge upgrade, and I, I love what they did, and I love the weapons they could have with Deshaun Watson. But as you talk about the division, you want to win, you want to be a good team, and win one Super Bowl, you need Nick Chubb, and that also and that also line to be dominant. And when Cleveland off the line was healthy and dominant, it was great. So I think to your point, I think there are some guys that could kind of you know add up or add some guys there that they did a good job of relying some guys. They have you know Conklin still under contract. They drafted the kid Willis a couple of years ago, so the tackles pretty locked down. The interior could definitely use a little upgrade in my opinion. Yeah, uh, I don't hate that. Um, yeah, I mean, do you like a, we had said? I mean, the AFC North, you definitely need um, that that bully offensive line. Um, moving to a much different division, um, the Houston or the I was going to say the AFC South. Let's begin with the Houston Texans. They're kind of wide open. You can kind of do whatever you want here. Uh, Chris, I'm curious what, where you would start um, to maybe make, make life a little easier for the pieces they do have in place. Yeah, this is one of those that fantasy-wise, everything. Um, but, no, I think the answer for me, um, I think that I have to see a quarterback, but I don't necessarily think that where they are, they're going to have a, a great option for that. I think it's imperative that you upgrade another receiver, and I, I'm going to cheat a little bit, and I'm going to say off the line too. I'm going to say I broke a record a lot, but that off the line really is important for your team to be successful, particularly your interior. Larry Tunsil, he's a guy, maybe he'll be there, maybe he won't be long-term, but he's got the tackle composition kind of locked down. But the rest of that off the line is atrocious. If, if whoever the quarterback's going to be, and I hope this isn't a long-term answer. That's why it's so hard for the Texans for me to say what the answer should be for this. Um, I think off the line is something they definitely have to address and significantly. And then, like I said, the receiver. Brandon Cook's last year of his deal, you have nothing in that receiver. I don't think Collins is the answer, in my opinion. Collins wasn't the guy who was big on last year. I think you need something, tight ends, receivers, whatever, something for this Davis Mills or whoever the quarterback is to have to throw to. Yeah, I, I, I 100% agree. Um, a right tackle, anything in the interior, um, a tight end, a wide receiver. Uh, I do think that Davis Mills is not the long-term answer, but I, I just don't see any real reason to move on from him this offseason because whoever the next quarterback is, if you moved on this offseason, would just be set up for failure. Um, now what I do find interesting is – and I know they added here recently with one of my guys, and I would feel awful if this occurred, is that this is one of the very few spots kind of in the league where you could really see a true workhorse back emerge, where there's nobody that you have to put on the field at the running back position, where it wouldn't really make the lives of anyone else on the team better. However, if, say, a Brees Hall fell here, he could be on the field for every down. There isn't anybody there to make that not be the case. 
Um, so I, I do find that kind of interesting. Um, obviously, I think for everyone else's best interest, uh, you're, you're probably right. An offensive lineman or um, another receiver. Ideally, trading Brandon Cooks and getting a receiver because I, you're not going to ever see the value of Brandon Cooks um, you know, while you're winning and he's good um, because it'll be a long time before the Texans are good if we're being honest with ourselves. Yeah, 100% agree. My only thing with I worry about them having an opportunity to get those players, you know, they could draft them earlier with the kind of their first round picks that they have, but I, I think it's a little bit of a reach to kind of go after some of those guys at the running back position. Um, and I don't know, I think second round, they don't really have anything in the second round that I'm aware of, unless they got something from Cleveland this year as a second round. Um, in the third round, you know, I don't think Bryce Hall could still be there, but if he was, then I think that'd be a fantastic fit. You're absolutely right. You want to see a, a workhorse kind of be there. I just feel like right now, if you're after that guy in like, you know, the second first round pick and it's Bryce Hall without drafting a lineman, lineman addressing that position first, he's just going to sit there and be wasted. But I 100% agree. I'd love to see a running back, you know, a good running back line there or Marlon Mack be the guy. Yeah. All right. Let's, let's hit this one because I think this is going to be the one where we uh, are both fully with 100% on the same page. And that is the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, I'm going to go first. I think their interior sucks. <laughs> I think they need an interior offensive line, something fierce. And they could really, uh, obviously, getting Scherf, great. So you have one of three interior spots filled, and the other two need a lot of help. <laughs> so I think doing something about that would be absolutely incredible. I know the name uh, Linda Baum has been thrown around a lot to, on the show. Um, he is someone who I, I out of Iowa who I think would fit really well here, but really just any warm body um, you can put on this offensive lineman or on this offensive line. Again, I think Scherf is a great fit. Otherwise, not looking great to me. Yeah, a Lindenbaum to me would be a fantastic fit. I don't know if anybody will have the guts to get in a, you know, a center that high with their first round picks. I don't think he's going to be around there for the right. first round pick. Um, but I think there's no reason, and I've been on this, I kind of have an argument with Dan off, off air um, over this about Evan Neal. I think they should yeah, still take Evan Neal, number one. I think it's still a possibility. I don't think Robinson, that's where we had to have a debate. Not that he mm-hmm. doesn't agree that we shouldn't take him, it's that they probably wouldn't take him. I think that you look at the, Doug Peterson's kind of track record, he loved a lot add also tackles using the Eagles. Um, and you talk about a guy who can help great. Evan Neal came out recently and said, I'm willing to play any position on offensive line, including guard. I don't, if you can have a guy like that be out there on your front five, I don't care where you put him, he should be out there because Trevor Lawrence needs way more help to your point. Yeah. I do not think Cam Robinson is the answer. And that's, and so for me, when people are like, well, why can you think, you know, the guy that high and pick Cam Robinson, Cam Robinson got franchised for one year. You can move him, you can trade him and, and, and move on from him easily. Or if you pay him $15 million, whatever, then you put Taylor on the bench. But there's no reason to pass on Evan Neal, in my opinion, with that pick, that early second round pick, or second pick. If they pass on him, I think that this is a first round pick, I should say, name second pick. Uh, if they pass on him, I think this team should be really scrutinized because you've done nothing offseason wise to help Trevor Lawrence, in my opinion, other than the sheriff signing in a lot of ways. Yeah, no, I agree. I just think to me, it's a. I've come to the conclusion that they aren't going to. Um, but I, I, Evan Neal would drastically improve um this football team i i i hear what you're saying um, would be a better the whole team would actually be fantasy relevant more as a result yeah 
Yeah, 100%. Uh, I was going to say, I hear what you're saying with their coach. I'm just going to raise you. The, it feels like the bulky thing to do to go get an edge rusher, um, which is just kind of where, where I land that that's probably what's going to happen with their early pick. And then maybe they will go off. Hopefully, at least, they will go offensive lineman with the second one. Um, but I, I agree with you. If, if I was in their shoes, I would be looking hard and long at Evan Neal and just figuring out where I can plug him in. Um, what, you know, what is the best place to plug him in at and worrying about, you know, how I do that later. hundred percent. Um, let's move on. We'll hit the Colts last since that's going to be the one that I care about. Um, we'll, <laughs> we'll hit the Titans, um, here next. Yeah. Looking at Tennessee to me, this is a team that also, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but it also needs to continue to prove the offensive line. Um, if you want Derek Henry to be kind of the face of your franchise, you need to have holes for him. If you want Ryan Tannehill to be consistent, you need to pass protect for him. This line has definitely struggled. Trevor Lawan's not the guy he used to be. Um, Tell Conklin moved on two years ago. They never really kind of replaced him. They've tried different versions of it in a sense. And the interior is definitely questionable at best. Stoffel uh, moved on. So I think you look at all the different things. The offensive line needs to be better, in my opinion, for Derek Henry to be productive, for A.J. Brown and Ryan Tannehill to be productive. Yep, I think this is the one we get through pretty quickly because I fullheartedly agree. I mean, really, your good starters here are Ben Jones and Taylor Lewan. And as you talked about, I mean, Lewan got beat for, what, five sacks in the first game last year against Chandler Jones. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> uh, that's about all I have to say about that. I mean, they could absolutely use help all over this offensive line, especially for being a team that is centered around their, um, their physicality. This offensive line has always been in the entire i guess derrick henry era and i guess for every other team we talk about you know the franchise quarterbacks x era um, but during the derrick henry era of the tennessee titans um what has been so puzzling in, in a good way is that their offensive line has always been better than um any of them individually they've all quite frankly to me i've never really seen the titans have that great of offensive linemen individually ever. I mean, obviously, Lawan and Conklin were solid, but I don't know. I, I think that they really would benefit from having someone who is truly a premier offensive lineman, which isn't something they've had. I guess they've had a couple interior guys, um, but regardless, um, a truly premier guy in the offensive line, just kind of in general, uh, would be certainly helpful there. Definitely great. Um, and finally, the Indianapolis Colts. Um, this is where I imagine you and I are going to disagree because to me, I, I think it's got to be wide receiver. Um, I, I know that left tackle is a big deal. Um, we did bring back our guy who had been the backup last year, and obviously the backup had played quite a bit because, good Lord, our starter was awful. Um, and and I, to me, as a pass protector, he outperformed um, Fisher quite a bit. Um, so I, I do think that left tackle needs to be addressed in the draft. I just don't know if it's necessarily one where – I think it's one where you can get away with one of the later developmental guys um, if you need to. Hopefully, this is an offense in which the ball is released fairly quickly. Um, otherwise, there's going to be a whole lot more problems than just the offensive line. Um, and to successfully do that, they're going to need another receiver because this is really Pittman and a bunch of nothing, um, if we're being honest with ourselves here. Uh, I, I think um, 
I mean, we're really staring down Paris Campbell as the wide receiver, too, on the depth chart right now. And I don't think we'll get two games from Paris Campbell, um, let alone a season of him as the wide receiver, too. So it's just the disparity between what they have currently at left tackle versus the the average league left tackle and the disparity between their wide receiver, too, and the rest of the league at wide receiver, too. To me, it's the wide receiver is a glaring need, although hopefully they can still address that in the offseason before the draft. Yeah, I'm a little torn on this one because I 100% agree the receiver room is not what I thought it should be right now. And it's disappointing with the cap size they had kind of available to them that they haven't necessarily upgraded that receiver room. Um, I'm with you. The guys they have in the Pascals and the Campbells of the world aren't going to do it for you. Doolin's not going to take a next step to be some guy that Matt Ryan's going to love. You know, these guys can be kind of okay. Um, I think they definitely need more, a more dynamic receiver in this offense because Michael Pittman's more kind of a red zone, more of a classic real guy where he's kind of that number two, great number two receiver, a kind of T. Higgins type, but he's not a true number one, I don't think. Um, but I also think that offensive line is your bread and butter. So whether it's a tackle or it is a guy that they take another tackle, because one of my concerns was when Brandon Smith was hurt last year, you struggled. When your guards, um, when Ryan Kelly was hurt in center and has been hurt historically the last couple of years, you struggle. So there's different positions where we add offensive linemen. I think having that, you know, um, the depth is really important for the offense and Matt Ryan particularly. Is the offense to be successful? Matt Ryan and has to be has protected. You want people to have numbers. Michael Pittman have numbers, and you want John Taylor. Well, John Taylor probably John Taylor. If you really wanted to see these guys kind of with numbers, you want to see them butt up. Then you're going to need Matt Ryan standing up there. And we've seen the last couple of years he's getting more and more hard for him to move around. The arms not quite what it used to be. He can't throw off his back foot really anymore. So of all those things, in my in my opinion, um, I remember you last year kind of while you're in retrospect kind of defending some of the tackle play. You were beating your head against the wall with some of the tackles that you were you know, going week in, week out because it was such such a you know a shit show in a sense. Um, so I think well, that's they, because they kept putting Fisher back in. They kept <laughs> they had Levy out there. They had all kinds of things they were trying to do at some different points this season last yes. year. Davenport. Um, so yeah, so I yes. definitely agree with you. It would be nice to see them kind of at a receiver, but also line wouldn't be far behind my book either. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, sliding through to the AFC West, um, this is a division that we are going to love because, good God, it's all offensive line. Um, I guess well, let's well, start with the Chiefs as they are the only one where that's not the obvious answer. Uh, <laughs> what do you think of the Chiefs? <laughs> I love the Chiefs. I was just going to say, Adam, real quick, to, um, you know, thinking that the show is probably going to wind up going into a two-show thing, we probably won't get to the – NFC on the show. Maybe we'll yes. call that next show. Yeah. Um, do we want to? Do we have a sponsor break to kind of hit before we jump into the West? Um, no, not right now. Uh, <laughs> so yes, okay. let's let's jump into the West. So, yeah. we'll, Sorry yes. guys. Um, no, so yeah, we'll go right to the Chiefs then. Um, I I agree that this is probably the one team. Well, I want to say the other teams for different things, but offensive line isn't jumping out glaringly to me. The offensive line has been. You know, did a great job being kind of addressed last year. Not that they couldn't benefit maybe an extra left right tackle or maybe another guard or something. But I think for this team to take the next level, you 100% need them to address that receiver position. And there are two guys that I think are possible and I am dreaming that happens. Rather, Trellon Burks falls to the Chiefs because I would just 
love, 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 love that all day long. Or somehow Drake Lydon falls to the Chiefs. And I'm sitting there giddy because giving Patrick Mahomes a guy he can throw the ball up to, which is one thing he has not really had. You know, this guy's given the reputation, reputation of a, a gunslinger and a guy lets, you know, teams get chances. He's got a really short receiver for the most part of his career. Hadn't really had a guy that Travis Kelsey kind of throw the ball up to, so to speak. Could you imagine if he had a jump ball guy that he can kind of look for when plays break down? And the offense kind of bogged down last year. And you saw them kind of struggle with a guy, like, you know, just making a play, kind of throw it up there. Well, who was going to go up? Brian Kringle go up for you. Juju going to get up for you. Go up and get it for you. MVS, I hated that signing. Um, I think that ultimately they have no receiver one on that team. And I think the receiver is where they really need to make sure they address. And you can be a Jameson Williams. Maybe it's not this year or next year, but having him replace Tyreek Hill wouldn't be bad either. Yeah, I, I was going to say, um, I think there's, I fullheartedly agree it has to be receiver, but I do think that there's a lot of routes you could go. I think it'd be really interesting to see that jump ball guy, kind of like you were saying. Um, yeah, a, a jump ball guy for them would be huge. But to your point, a Jamison Williams or some of these other speedier guys, um, I mean, obviously we've seen what they can do with um, that skill set whether that's uh, Garrett Wilson, a Chris Olave, um, uh, Jamison, like you said, um, there's, you know, so many options for them, um, but they do need to get one. Uh, there, there's no question there for me. So my key thing was why I'm not as big on those guys necessarily, like Olave, or uh, is that I like them as, as players, but with the MBS signing, what is he going to bring to the offense other than be basically a fast guy that can run? So I think when you look at what, kind of missing in the offense, you need that true receiver one take off the pressure outside of Kelsey. The rest of the guys kind of fit their roles. Juju could be an underneath guy. And VS could take the top off the team and be that deep threat. But what you don't have is that guy to kind of feature, whether it's that uh, Mike Williams role or it's a guy kind of a receiver one like Wilson, where he's kind of the guy you look for. Yeah, I, I, again, I, I can't really uh, can't, can't dispute that too much. I just think you and I are too much on the same page in that I'm not a big fan of the MBS signing either, so I'm not going to really say that he's holding down a role too, too much. I mean, I'm sure he will in the short term, but... He paid him too much money. That's the problem why he has to be out there for... Yeah, I mean, this season he does, but long term. Three years, $30 million is a lot, but also as the cap grows, meh. <laughs> um, moving on, um, let's hit... The, I mean, for me at least, it's all the same answer all, all the way out. Let's go to the Denver Broncos. <laughs> what do you have there? Yeah, so for the Broncos, it's going to be the easy answer, like you said. I think they can continue to upgrade the offensive line. Russell Wilson's definitely a guy that you want to pass protect for. Um, I think that they have definitely improved over the last few years, and it's a pretty decent offensive line. It's not like they're yeah. you have glaring holes anywhere. Um, but I think they can take, kind of take the best guy on board. Um, Bowles is a good left tackle, left tackle for me, but I think if you're looking for guys that kind of fill in the rest of the line, there's guys that I like, but I think they can kind of be moved around to kind of fit the right player. So I think off the line is probably the way for them to kind of take the next level. They don't need any more receivers, please no. Um, and no, I don't want any more competition for James Williams. Yep, exactly. I don't. They don't need a new running back. They don't need a new receiver. Hard they don't need a new tight end. They're good at left tackle. Uh, to me, it, it just screams, um, let's upgrade the interior, um, get some big maulers that are going to open up space for Javante. Um, 
uh, maybe some shorter maulers for Russell, but nonetheless, <laughs> some some short, thick dudes for for Javante to run behind that uh, Russell can still see over um, in an ideal world. Yeah, I talked about Green earlier, and I like Zion Johnson. I think there are two guys that kind of jumped out to me that would be great fits as you kind of talk about for Russell and interior. Yeah, uh, absolutely. All right, so to the Raiders. <laughs> what do you think there? <laughs> So for me, the Raiders, I like to see them add another, it's going to kind of sound you know odd maybe, but another tight end. Um, I know they drafted one more recently. I know Darren Waller's still there. But I look at this offense, and I think Darren Waller's kind of better as a chess piece. Um, I'm not as big on the other tight end they drafted, so I think that they could use another weapon. Now, I wouldn't necessarily go target that early. They don't really have too many early picks after their Devontae Williams you know, move, or Devontae Adams move, I should say. Um, but the receiving core is pretty locked down. The O-line definitely could be upgraded. I know that's probably what you're going to hit, so I'm trying to give something a little bit different than the o <laughs> um, So that's where I would just say maybe I'm looking for a, another tight end because I think Darren Waller's you know, injury things are definitely concerning, and his impact in that middle of the field is going to be needed. So when he's kind of not there, I think Derek Carr kind of needs somebody else to kind of look for. Hunter Renfro is not a red zone guy. Um, Adams is going to be great. Edwards I'm a fan of, but I don't know how much he's ever going to chance to kind of be showing up, but they all kind of fit their roles well. The tight ends where I still could see there could be an upgrade at. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. I don't, I'm not a big Foster Moreau guy, but to, and, and you mentioned this, but it, it's just not a position I think I would target super early. Uh, again, and not that they have a ton of early picks uh, to begin with. Um, but uh, as early as they can to me, um, upgrading that offensive line, kind of as you alluded to, <laughs> um, pretty much everything outside of Colton Miller, I think you can go ahead and upgrade um, in, in an ideal world. And even Colton Miller um, is a very solid league average to above average left tackle is, is about where, where I see him fit in at, um, which given, um, you know, the narrative around when he was drafted, it's probably about a hit for, for the Raiders. Um, given that uh, many thought he, he was overdrafted by like around. Um, but yeah, all, all things considered, I, I think that definitely, especially in the interior, but even a right tackle could could be a good fit here. Yeah, to be honest, Billy Up Nation, I, I, I had to kind of go a little different. <laughs> absolutely answer in this position. Yeah. Um, all right. So uh, want to go Chargers? <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to Chargers. And I'm I might this team I'm not joking about. I do think they add another receiver and it's important for them to add one. Um I think that you look at Keen Allen's getting a little bit older, a little guy who has definitely some injury concerns. I know Mike Williams got re-signed, but and I know they drafted Palmer and the other speedsters, but I would not be opposed to giving Justin Herbert another weapon that can get down the field. If they have the right receiver kind of fall to them and a name that kind of jumps out to me, we talk about a guy who might go late in the first round, Jameson Williams would be a fantastic fit for them, I think. Even if he had the right trip this year, to have that guy kind of waiting in the wings in the sense that they bring another level to the offense. I like some of the guys they have, like Guyton and Palmer, but I don't think they're anything special. I think that they can get something, get another top-tier speed receiver or a game-changer in a sense for that Charger offense, and this offense will be unstoppable. Right now, how it's constituted, you can kind of, if you take away Mike Williams deep, and you take away Keenan Allen short, they really don't have anything else to kind of threaten you that you're really worried about. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily disagree. I think that they could absolutely uh, go to add an, a, a weapon at receiver, and Jamison Williams would be a really intriguing fit. Um, but at the end of the day, 
I actually think the left side of their line um, from center over is very good with Lindsley uh, and Slater especially, but that right side is ugly. Um, <laughs> they could really use to upgrade over there. Um, yeah, just kind of in general, this is one of the, you know, those few teams where that tackle position really is of the utmost importance because they do go down the field quite a bit, um, trying to capitalize on that massive arm of Justin Herbert. And also because Justin Herbert holds onto the ball a bit long, uh, for being honest with ourselves. Um, so between those two things, they really do value that tackle position, um, and Storm Norton is not going to be <laughs> what's cutting it at the right tackle position, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, this wants to be a team that's competing with the rest of their division, um, which is all star-studded. Yeah, I definitely think offside could be something they would definitely could address and help them and help them, all those guys be more productive, as you kind of talked about. I just think that we hear a lot of narratives where other teams are shit at a receiver where I don't see necessarily the clear thing that people are pushing for them to get a receiver. In the Chargers case, I haven't really heard that a lot. And I'm kind of surprised because I do think that this is, you know, one of the guys you want to get multiple weapons for. And this offensive passing attack did struggle last year. You kind of gloss over that. But Mike Williams kind of disappeared for parts of the season. And you need somebody else to kind of step up. The other guys really weren't. Um, offensive line-wise, the other tackle, I think, is definitely, you know, he's nothing to write home about. And he's definitely could be upgraded. But I think they do a good job kind of being from that Sean Payton Saints tree where they do a, a lot of chopping or chipping of their, their tight ends and their receivers to kind of help neutralize one of the guys who's not as good. You saw New Orleans for a long time prioritize the interior line, not as much as the exterior. Um, you know, Armstead definitely the, the a stud, um, but he wasn't necessarily like the, the norm for them that they were looking for all the time. They usually always draft a center or guard almost every year and year out under Sean Payton. And they used that they did that because a lot of their system was predicated on being able to chip that guy to help out a little bit here or there. So I, I don't disagree with you though that if they added something on that you know that guard or that tackle position definitely would help this offense even more. Yeah. All right, guys. Um, well, <laughs> we kind of made it through um, the AFC, uh, but to uh, Chris's point earlier, there's no way we could make it through the NFC in a reasonable amount of time. So that's what we will be going through um, the next time that you see us here in two weeks. Um, and then we'll, we'll you know, kind of hit some draft stuff around then as well. Um, speaking of the draft, uh, you'll be able to see Chris and um, I at various points throughout the draft. We come hit the Belly Up um, draft live stream. You'll see all of your favorite Belly Up uh, writers, podcasters, just general personalities. Um, everyone will be on at some point or another. Um, Chris will be on. You're on all both nights, correct? I am on for both nights. Um, you know, I'll be wearing my man diaper again, try to prepare myself to not do the pot, the bathroom the entire time. No, yeah. I think one of the things that's really exciting, and I think that we're one of the few shows that kind of brings you all three facets of you know football. We're going to talk about betting. We're going to talk about you know on the field, you're kind of impact these players, and then talk about fantasy. So we're you know get it all. When is NFL belly up, you know, fantasy show coming, um, draft show coming up. So yeah. I'm excited. Yeah, no, it, it's going to be such a good time. So I will be on um, here and there on the first night, and it should be a very big chunk of the second. Um, so, yeah, definitely tune in for that one. We are so excited um, for that. Um, otherwise, Chris, what do you, what's up on the belly up uh, MDFF show? Yeah, so I'm on MDF tomorrow night. We're, we're starting to kick off kind of our draft coverage, and we're going to be breaking down the quarterbacks and the tight end positions. 
starting to kind of profile with the players that are available. Some of the top guys you're going to see probably go in those first three rounds. Uh, we're not going to go too much in depth with some of the guys in the later rounds, especially the quarterback position where we all agree is kind of limited after there's probably top six. Um, so you're going to kind of see us start glimpsing into the quarterbacks tight ends tomorrow, breaking down the other positions as we're ongoing as we get closer and closer to the NFL draft and really see kind of what we're, what we're trying to get your hands on. You know, one of the big things, whether you're in a dynasty league or standard league or PPR, you want to know that up-and-coming star. You want to have Jamar Chases on your team. You want to have those you know, studs receivers or those stud running backs in the right situation. And one of the things we talked about before, you don't, you want to know where those off the linemen are going to because they do have impact and they can be really helpful for a team to kind of transition and help fantasy you know, production. And even defense-wise, uh, you talked about the Chargers, and we kind of left off on this show. That defense is loaded. I imagine they add another weapon defensively for that team where they could be. So they'd be a top team that you want to add in drafting. So all these different things, you know, really excited how they kind of translate late into the fantasy world. Yeah, absolutely. You said it great. Um, anyways, Belly uh, Up Nation, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, it has been a pleasure. Again, we'll be back in two weeks um, with the NFC side of this, as well as, um, you know, talking about some of our favorite prospects. Of course, we'll hit a lot of them through this, but we'll make sure that we're we're letting you know on anyone. Uh, maybe maybe we'll do some gems or just any, anyone that we um, didn't really get to speak about with this exercise. Um, again, thank you so much for tuning in, and we will catch you then. Freeze Denzel Mim. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF.